Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, October 22, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We actually have some good stuff on the docket today. Finally, the market did the thing. They filled the gap down south around 342. We'll get more into the price action in and around the gap and stuff that happened early in the morning and use it as a learning experience. We'll get more into that in a few minutes. First, what we want to do is focus on the daily chart and get a picture. Let's get a visual and the context of what the market is doing or what it appears to be doing or what the possibilities are on both sides of the tape. Let's get that under our belt first. So when we take a look at it, the first thing that jumps off the chart at me is the big breakdown candle from the other day. What have we been doing for the last three days? We talked about this yesterday. We're here talking about it again today. The market's essentially just going sideways for the most part, spending the most amount of time inside what appears to be, let's say the bottom 25 or 30, 35% of that candle. What does that make it? It makes it a bearish flaggish kind of pattern. So as a result, what those like to do is continue or have a continuation move to the downside. That brings in our 339.33 and lower into the equation. That's the bear equation. That's the bearish schematic. A couple of other things jump off the page. Yesterday's candle contains a tail candle. Now, we call these a shenanigans candle because the market wasn't up. Here it is the high, 348.68. The market was never up there yesterday. As an example, there's a horizontal line running at 348.68. Here's an hourly chart, and you can see here, and this is the activity from the 19th. Here's the 20th, which was yesterday, or two days ago, pardon me. Here's the 21st, which was yesterday, and here's today. So the market was never anywhere near 348.68. So what's interesting about that fake or shenanigans tail candle is where does it go? It goes right to, at least in the vicinity or neighborhood of, the high of what? of the breakdown candle. Funny how that works. Now we know a couple of things. As long as the market doesn't close above the high of the breakdown candle, and we're gonna call it 350 for argument's sake, it's close enough, we're rounding to the next big fat round number. So we know a couple of things. Until and unless the market closes above the high of the breakdown candle, no dice, it's actually bearish until and unless they do, and then the continuation move as a result of the breakdown candle is on the table. The high of the breakdown candle happens to be at 349.33 and it's very close to 350. So you figure if they're making a test of the breakdown candle at any point in time, they would likely make a test of the big fat round number of 350 and also ES3500. Just saying that for informational purposes. So far, here's what we have. We have a breakdown candle and the high that's important. We have a shenanigans candle. We have a market that's making a bearish flaggish kind of pattern inside the breakdown candle. We have a gap that was filled today and the market did bounce off the gap and it did rally and they did close well in relation to where the gap was. And when you put all that stuff in a bucket together, what do you have? You have a mishmash. You have somewhat of a quandary. 
How's that? Well, if the top of the breakdown candle is 349.33, which is the case, that's quite a distance from where price closed on Thursday. So the market could be in a very good and convincing rally to get up to the breakdown candle high, and yet it could still fail at the breakdown candle high. And what we can say about that is, A, you have a shenanigan candle up there. B, if they're going up there and they're going up there in a hurry, we know that that's likely the destination. If they get there in a hurry, they're going somewhere, they're going to a destination. It's no different than stocks on the move. So therefore, on the first run up under normal garden variety market conditions, using the 80-20 rule, what happens? Around the high of the breakdown candle, they shouldn't just waltz right through. They should not be able to whistle past the graveyard or whistle past the breakdown candle high. They can, after a while, sometimes they'll run up there, they'll stick around for a while, eat some time off the clock, build some energy, and make another push higher later. That's fine. That's the way the market works the majority of the time. The alternative is they run up to the breakdown candle high and they're rejected and come right back down. On the way up, you don't know which one it's going to be. You don't care which one it's going to be. We only take the opportunity that's in front of us at the time. Take the market at face value. There's nothing wrong with trading the market up to the breakdown candle high if from an intraday and short-term perspective, you have the proper setup to do so. Where do you get that setup? How do you figure out if you have that setup? You come over to inside the numbers because we would know about that setup. Before we get over to inside the numbers, let's say a couple of things about the other side of the tape, the southern side of the tape as a just-in-caser. We don't know whether we're going to wake up to a gap down on Friday. Anything's possible. We're in an election cycle. Obviously, volatility is enhanced. Everybody has the jitters. We have the rescue package slash stimulus bill on and off the table. All these things certainly have an impact intraday on having sharp swings in the market. However, the southern side, we have this open item down at 339.33, and it's not really an open item. It's not saying, we're not saying, I'm not saying, that's a target, meaning the market's going to get there. 342 was a target. That was a gap. They were going to fulfill the gap. We're going to talk more about the gap later when we get inside the numbers. But 339.33 was more of a line in the sand, if you remember. We don't want to see the market getting below, closing hourly, and then daily below 339.33. At least for now, that concept remains on the table. But you'll also notice today, in terms of the low of the SPY, they came into and spiked a little bit into the 20-period moving average and came up short of the 50. I blew the chart up a little bit, and you can see here the tail low is short of the 50-period moving average, so they came up in between the two moving averages. We're not going to do anything with that information. That information really isn't valuable unless you take it at face value. What's face value? Well, here's how I use that information, and today we didn't really need it because we couldn't use that information. However, even on a short-term chart, when there's two areas, two numbers, two specific support or resistance areas that you've identified, then sometimes, sometimes the market will actually go in between. If your numbers are right, they may not hit both. Sometimes they hit one. They look like they're going to the other. They pull up in between, turn around and go back in the other direction. And a lot of you have seen that happen with stocks on the move in the past. You'll see a stock go below the first number. 
it won't get to the second number. It'll kind of pull up in between and then it'll turn around and go back in the other direction. So what am I saying here? Listen, there's always a method to the madness. Each and every night when you come here, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to learn something valuable. That's the goal anyway. Here's the lesson today. And this is something that's taught in the course, not the Lazy E-Mini Trader course, but this one is taught in the Lazy Gap Trader course. We're talking midpoints and midpoints are important. Midpoints are basically the 50% point, the midpoint in between two important numbers. So it gives you a third option. If your numbers are correct, if both numbers that are supposed to be important numbers, if they're correct, then you're going to have a midpoint a lot of the time that is also like a sixth man on the bench. It's a third wheel. It's an extra arrow in the quiver. It's another price point. Now we can go over inside the numbers. And if you're active in the market during the trading day, or you think you might want to be active in the market during the trading day, then you need to pay attention because this was another one of those days where it was basically a paint by numbers. Sometimes the market just goes to specific numbers and it does what it looks like it's supposed to do. It does what it says it's going to do in terms of reading the tape works well on a particular day. Today, reading the tape worked well. We'll get to stocks on the move after the fact, but let's start out with the pre-market commentary. The futures took a visit, came up short, but paid a visit down in the neighborhood of ES3400. So we have that going for us right out of the chute. When we see stuff like that happen and they took a visit down south or they took a visit up north and they're nowhere near that price closer to the opening bell or even at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, what happens is we can read into that a little bit and say, well, a lot of times they like to run tests of certain stuff that happened overnight so we can expect some early volatility. It's a tell. It's not a guarantee. It's something of an awareness. So we're already saying, will that be an objective during the pit session today? Remember, they still have the gap down at 342 to fill. They flirted with it for a couple of days and a couple of times they did it in the dark of the night. It was the thieves in the night stealing the gap. Let's move along and see what else we have. We have some early thoughts. Again, with the elusive gap down at 342, it remains an open item. They're going to fill the gap. The question is, the fact that they've played games with the gap, the question is, are they going to stop at the gap? They have another destination in mind. Where is that destination? We don't want to buy the gap because we don't think that they're going to stop at the gap. They had every opportunity to fill the gap over the last couple of days, and they didn't do it. So they're telling us something else is going on. Who does all this? It's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. What's their job? Their job is to make sure that as many investors and traders as possible look like fools as much of the time as possible. On the other side, 345 is where the bulls need to get price to and over and above to get anything going. If they can't get over 345, no dice. Let's move along and then we'll go to the charts and we'll see exactly what happened. There was a lot of stuff that happened the way it was supposed to happen. But here's what we'll say about the morning, the early going. We're citing the range, the probable range, 345 on the upside up north. 342 is the gap down south, but below the gap, we're not sure. 
Here's what happens. You scroll along and you see at 930, they keep trading away from the gap at 342 every time they get close. It's like gap avoidance. It's a little bit weird already, just saying. So that was right at the opening bell. They did a dance right above the gap again. And then they started doing the same thing they did yesterday. They were just going around, chopping around, being in a chop shop formation. Reciting the stuff up north, couple of numbers, 344.75, 345. Now, here's where it's important that we go look at the charts and we take some of the numbers. Otherwise, we get glossed over. The numbers all run together after a while, right? Not for me, but for a lot of you, I know that there's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of stuff. Me, I eat, sleep, drink, and crap numbers. Let's just get some pictures going in our mind. So right of the vertical is today's activity. We know about that already. Five-minute SPY chart. There's two lines on the screen, 344.75 and 345 are the numbers. And you can see what happened. When the market finally did get up there, was rejected, tried it again, rejected again into the end of the day. It's just interesting, but those are the numbers. Until and unless the market, the bulls can get above that stuff, no dice. Once they do get above that stuff, what do you think happens? You got it. They go to the breakdown candle high. That's the ticket. Back to inside the numbers, and we're moving along. So right out of the shoot early this morning, I put an image on the board. A picture is worth 100 words. What's the arrow pointing to? This is the breakdown candle high. So what I'm doing for inside the numbers members is I'm going over exactly what we just went over. I'm doing it in real time during the trading day. So not only can they get what the market's doing, they have the tour guide, they can make trades, make money, all that stuff, but... This is another learning opportunity each and every day. There's three learning opportunities that you find here, right? One is the lazy e-mini trader course, lazy gap trader course. That's a learning opportunity. You learn the foundation of how the markets work. The second thing that happens is this is the second pillar or the second leg on the stool, which is these videos each and every night. You're learning here. That's why you keep coming back. So that's the intention. It's continuing education. And then you take it to the next level for traders that are active during the day. They want the trades. They want to understand what the market's doing. They want me to read the tape for them. All that stuff, the tour guide stuff, that's inside the numbers. So you have three learning opportunities at three real different levels. How much do you want to learn? Let's keep going over here. Early in the day, we're talking about can they make a run for these numbers? Moving along. 9.58. Here's the deal at present. It's really quiet. They're waiting on something or someone, waiting to fill the gap. That's what I was referring to. Or waiting to make a move. Either way, just waiting. They weren't doing anything. Staying above 343.30 keeps the door open for the bulls to reach 344.15 or higher. The numbers change from an intraday perspective. They get narrower because it's shorter time frame charts. When I show you the 344.75 to 345, that's off the larger charts. That's the bigger picture. You want to get granular to the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Then the numbers shrink down a little bit. They get closer together. They get more scalpable. Let's put some context to 343.30. You saw that on the board a second ago. Get your faculties again. Here's the vertical. That's the beginning of today's activity. Here's 3.34.30, it's 11.20 in the morning. 3.43.30, right at the onset of the day. So we know that that number is important, so I'm putting down until they can get above, close above that number, no dice. 
9.58 a.m., that's when this post was. Here's where the market was at the time. Here's the 9.55 candle. Here's the 10 o'clock candle. They broke down. Let's move it along. For those traders, for the record, who are painting by the numbers, stocks on the move are fine. We had a couple of nice deals going, so we'll get to those later. Let's get to the 10.17 pulse. The bulls can't get up and go. The bears are just hovering around the lows from yesterday. Net, net, nothing we can do with that. Back as needed. Now we start to get into the point in which the market was going to break down. You don't know it's going to break down before it breaks down. We're suspicious. Some traders were obviously short the market, rode it down, but they're finally going to fill the gap. This is before they did, but finally they were pointed down. They were dripping down. They're going to fill the gap. But here's what happened. So let's talk through why wasn't the gap a trade for me? It was a trade for some. It wasn't a trade for me. Now, I'm telling you in advance, there's going to be buyers down there. There's no doubt in my mind. The question is, do I want to buy down there? And here's the problem. And by 1032, you can see they already went below the gap. Let's go back to the chart. There's the gap. So 342 was not a buy for me because they hovered over it for days. We know about that. We talked about it a bunch of times. Now, what was below that? You had the lows from the other day, 341. Then you have a big fat round number of 340. And then you had the 339.33 on the board. So you had a lot of stuff below the gap. And who knows which one the market's going to choose it's going to go to today, this time, this morning, whenever. So when you have too much stuff and you're not sure where the market's actually going because they consolidated or hovered or ate too much time off the clock over that gap in this case, it takes the opportunity away, at least from a playing it as a business perspective, right? Treating it as a business perspective. It was no longer the same trade had the price come into the gap immediately from somewhere else that's different. That's the market telling you that that gap is a destination. It's a destination right now. But when they hover, they're telling you it's a different destination. So now you have to go figure out which destination is it. Could it have been the big fat round number of 340? Absolutely. Where was the low? The low happened to be 340.65. So we talked about 341. I think you saw that in the notes. And here you go. The low from the other day is around 341. We have a big fat round number at 340. And then we had the other number below 339.33. That's why precisely that gap was not a buy for this trader. Let's go through a hypothetical and it accentuates the reason why. Let's say they fill the gap and then they close the hour below the gap. They went down to 341 and closed the hour below 341 or even closed some short-term candles below 341. What would I have said at the time? I would say 340 is on the table, the big fat round number. And by the way, if that's on the table, then we have to know about 339.33. Well, guess what? When you start stretching it out, that's quite a distance from 342. I don't want to be in a trade in that deep. And that's the reason. I'm pre-planning for what might happen if I'm wrong. Where am I wrong? Well, I know I'm wrong below certain numbers, but I'm also thinking that the market can get to those numbers. So I don't want to be in the trade where the stop has to be $3 away. What kind of trade do we want to be in? We want to be in a trade where if we have to lose, if we have to be wrong, we're going to be wrong small and fast. Those are the ones. All right, moving along. So now they're playing games, they bounce off the gap, and you'll see the commentary if you pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart, and double-check the work. If you're interested in the market, and you're double-checking the work, then you're going to scratch your head and say, 
hey, wait a minute. I think I would like to know this stuff during the trading day. I think I can make money knowing this stuff. That's why I want you to read the notes. And there's a method to the madness. Here's the deal. Here's another chart, by the way. Talking about that shenanigans candle. I'm always going to try and give inside the numbers members everything I've got. Sometimes there's not much to say, and sometimes I even say too much. Sometimes I even teach too much. Let's give another example of something that happened. In the notes, you'll see that if the market got above 342.75, and it was down here somewhere, I don't know exactly where it was, here. How do we know 342.75 was important? They tried a few times to get above, ate some time off the clock, and then finally went. The door is open for 344. So what you'll find earlier in the notes is if they get through 342.75 and start closing candles above it, 344 is on the table. Well, guess what? By the way, that's 12 S&P handles. I want some of that. So let's go back up to here and then even back to a chart. Here's 342.75. It's this line here and you can see what happened. They made a run for it, a little bit of a rejection, but we know what happens on the first run. And by the way, on this five-minute chart, is there a breakdown candle? Is there a breakdown candle high? Is it about the same price? Did they run up a test and then get rejected and then bust through? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Where have you heard this before? All charts act and react the same way. How you doing? Once they get above and start closing candles above 342.75, and you can see here on a 15-minute chart, these are the better charts. This is more time. There's more data in these candles. Well, guess what? Look what happened. They're hovering underneath, hovering underneath. Once they close above it, where do they go? We just adjusted the line down, 344. Where did they go? 344, a little bit higher, and that's where they stopped. But they really just went sideways telling you that there's another number, another destination. There was no real hard and fast rejection. But we also say it all the time that a resistance area or a support area doesn't mean, for example, resistance doesn't always mean it's a short trade. It can be. It is sometimes. It can be for a scalp trade. Uh, support isn't always a buy because two things are going to happen. Either price is going to run to that spot it's going to go sideways and banter about for a while, build some energy, eat some time off the clock, you know the routine, or it's going to really be rejected, but you don't know before it gets there. So that's why a resistance point isn't always a short trade. And then what you'll also see in the notes, and I'll scroll up in a minute, you'll see that 344 became support. How did that happen? Because they got above and they started closing candles above. All of a sudden, you have to flip it around. What was support becomes resistance. What was resistance becomes support. That's the way it works. And what happened was they ran a test at the end of the day. So here's a test at 3.15 in the afternoon. The low is 3.43.89. Before that, you'll see that 3.44 was resistance. Now is support if they run a test and they stay above that's ripe for a potential end-of-the-day jam session. They had what I'll call a mini jam maybe at the end of the day, not one of those real heavy jam sessions that goes right up into the close, but they did try and spike the market, and they did get up to the 345. It was a destination at the end of the day, as it turns out. When's the first time we talked about it? Way back this morning, before the market even opened. So here... Let me scroll up into the end of the day. Really, I urge you, read the notes. Go back to the charts. If you're at all interested. If you're not interested, toss it out. I get it. Let's check out Stocks on the Move. 
So we had a handful that hit their numbers today. LVS, Kimberly Clark, EW, and TSCO, or Tractor Supply. Let's check out the first one, LVS. That was a short trade, was listed at $50.04, was the first number on the board. You can see they came up somewhat close. This is one of those trades where a trader says, hey, I'm not sure if they came too close or not and pulled back. When you're not too sure and you don't know the real answer, the answer is pass on the trade. If you're queasy about it, just take a pass. You have to be 100% sure going into a trade that's the right thing. You know you're not going to win 100% of the time, but you have to have the conviction going into the trade. If you don't have the conviction, don't take the trade. Either way, $50.04 work like a charm. They pulled back about $1.30. That's doing the deal at a minimum. It's a base hit. We move it along. Why? Because base hits put traders in the Hall of Fame. How about Kimberly Clark? Paint by numbers. We had two numbers on the board. They were close together. Can make an equal case that either one could have been the number. 139, 136.88. Guess what? That was the number down there. They spiked it a little bit. And you can see what happened. The rest of it is history. That's a good trade. That's better than a base hit. If you're painting by the numbers, your average was about 138, and they went all the way past 142. So you could have exited anywhere along the way for a nice gain. Edward Life Sciences, 7878 was the number. You can see what happened. By the end of the day, it turns out they basically just ate time off the clock going sideways all day. But guess what? Basically, the low, other than a spike early in the morning, was 7878. They bantered about it. They thought about it in the morning, they tested it a bunch of times, and then they went higher. They didn't go a tremendous amount higher, but guess what? It's another base hit. How many base hits do you need in one day? We get base hit after base hit after base hit. Not every trade works, but there's a lot of base hits. You never know when you're going to get the double, triple, or home run. We never know which ones are going to give us the rocket ride. Tractor supply today was basically dead money. You can see what happened. Same routine, couple of numbers, a little bit below the first number, but it turns out they went in between. What's that again? It's a midpoint. And after the fact, the midpoint turned out to be overhead resistance. I'm not going to call this a shit burger because they did let traders out with a scratch, with a little bit of a loss, with a little bit of a gain. It depends on where you got out. It depends on how patient you were. We're not going to call it a shit burger. We're just going to call it dead money. It just didn't work. Fair enough. What about Camp IWM? We're going to have to boogie here. I'm getting a little bit long in the tooth. This video is a little bit over the time limit. Is there a time limit? No, absolutely not. The IWM was up almost 2% today. That's a puzzle piece that's on the table. It was up all day. It was up on the close, meaning it closed very well. That's a positive sign. Favorite market leading indicator. What did we talk about yesterday? Wasn't it showtime down at that breakup candle low? They're either going to rally away from it or it's going to fail. One of those two things. That one right there. Markets do the same thing over and over and over again. All charts act and react the same way. It's a broken record. Where else can you make money with a broken record? How about the RSP? Equal weight S&P up 1.35%. This is all against an SPY up a little over one half of 1%. This is a much broader rally across the RSP than the SPY. That's a positive for the bulls. What about the folks down at the transportation department? They actually lagged a little bit today, so it might cancel out the IWM. I wouldn't say it cancels out. If they were deep in the negative, I would say that cancels out. 
they're lagging, but it's still above all the moving averages, and I'm not going to make a federal case out of that. They just didn't participate in the rally, but not leading while everything else is going, but still positive. We're not going to give it the death sentence. We're not going to make a federal case out of it, but... We're aware, because it is our favorite canary in the coal mine, second favorite market leading indicator. I'm not totally brushing it off. It's a very tiny puzzle piece. It's more of an awareness in the back of my mind. Now I need a second compartment for awareness in the back of my mind, because the cues really didn't do anything today. Why is that? Well, a couple of things going on. So we have to understand what this is. On one hand, it could be a negative sign. On the other hand, money rotates around the market. Sometimes money is actually rotating out of technology into other stuff. So therefore, we have to watch it carefully, but we also have to notice what kind of candles are going here on the daily chart. Remember, we can talk bullish all we want, but this is a bear flag going on right here, right now on the daily chart of the queues. So what is that telling us? It's telling us that there should be a continuation move in the southern direction. Puzzle piece not so small on the table. There are divergences out here. We have to note them, we have to be aware of them, and we take the market at face value. Just show up in uniform each and every day and you'll be fine. How about the flip side of the cues? The XLF has a tremendous day up over 2%, well above now all the moving averages. Without the financials collapsing, we know the market's not gonna collapse. The financials are strong. What's that trying to tell us? It's a puzzle piece, it's on the table. The trend is your friend until the very end, until it's no longer the trend. The daily chart, the trend is still positive. We know what the other charts in the XLF look like. We're not gonna get into them tonight, but they look terrible. The weekly chart, the monthly chart, it looks like a horror show. Here's your horror show. Tremendous breakdown candle, moving averages above price. Yeah, they're eating time off the clock probably to get into the moving averages. What's the odds they can get above those moving averages and that breakdown candle high anywhere near the first run? Now, this is a weekly chart, so we'll just say in the first week they try, what's the likelihood that they're just going to bust through? It's not going to happen. Maybe they will ultimately in the first week, but not on the first day. Ain't going to happen. Smash Mouth, down today, buck and a half, a little less than 1%, puzzle piece on the table. Pretty good proxy for the tech space, so we got the Qs in the bearish formation, and we have the SMH that came up short today of the 20-period moving average, puts in a pseudo or a doji candle, it's not pseudo, it's a doji candle, and guess what? It's on time. Where do I know that? How do I know that? It's taught in the course, lazy e-mini trader. Any trader that's taken the course should be able to see that this candle on this chart in the SMH is on time. It's in an uptrend. Take heed. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. There's two puzzle pieces on the SMH today. One is the type of day it had in relation to the cues. It's down. It may be a leading indication of what's coming money running out of the semiconductor space, money running out of tech. We have to be aware of that. But on the flip side, each chart has a mind of its own every single day. When the market's moving big in one direction, everything tends to kind of go together. But why can't the SMH be down on a day when other stuff is up, yet it's setting up for another run higher? Maybe they just recocked the gun. So we have two puzzle pieces in the SMH. We're putting them both on the table. And guess what? 
If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.